All right, here we are. Lawyer talk, off the record, on the air. Blitz edition, Wednesday, Jared piped in. Why? Because we're safe. We respect social distancing, although I think we both are weary of it, to say the least. Uh, you know, look, I would love to stay away from people forever, but I do not like my business closed. I do not like people out of work. I do not like the economic structure uh, completely disabled from above. I hate it all. And that's not to say it may not be necessary. It is to say I am ready for something to give. Jared? How long, how long is everybody going to hold on? You know, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think we're getting to that point conversations I've had with other people in other industries and business and, and going through, and then I don't, I don't know, brother, we get, we got to get back to work. You know, they, they claim that they've got systems set up for everybody to be taken care of. And, uh, it's just not working out. It, it was too much, too fast. Yeah, it, it's, it's. It's one of those where, uh, you know, at first it was like a nice vacation. At first, I don't think people realize the ramifications of it. Now, I did, and I know you did. But uh, now I think we are falling into the, uh, the full uh, state of, of Hades, so to speak, that, that, this, is, uh, that this is causing. And it, it, it's one of those uh, realities that almost feels like a movie. It doesn't even feel like it's real. Uh, it, it is, it's just a complete and utter twilight zone. And I get we're saving lives and I want to save lives. I just need to know. I think people just need information. People just need to know what exactly that means and what is the end game? Because without an end game, uh, I think we're going to start seeing some real frustration, not only, you know, like we're expressing it right now, but it's not just our frustration. I mean, this is going to be, uh, this is everybody's everybody. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a situation where I'm worried about rioting. I, I understand that we had to step back, we quarantined, we laid down. I listened to the governor. I listened to our top docs every day here in Ohio. I, I try to catch the presidential speech, but not everybody plays him. They don't play him on NPR. I don't understand why, but that's, that's a whole other story. And we need to reopen after Easter. That's, that's, that's the kind of the timeline. If we can reopen after Easter, everybody goes back to work and we can do this. Now, I'm not saying we flip the switch and we go back. We still have to practice social distancing. I'm fine with that. Still limit the amount of people that are in the stores. That's good. If you're sick, stay at home. Wash your hands 10 times a day. You know, if, if you've got pre-existing conditions or if you're just scared, stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to have to be if you're fit and you can go out and work, go out. I, we need to, we, it has to, because they're promising these loans to small businesses, which I have one, you have one. You've talked with your accountant. I've talked with my accountant. I've talked with my bank. And by the time any of this gets processed and goes through, it's going to be too late. All right. Hold on one second. Dial 821-9970. If you need free legal advice on Loper and Randy, better call Steve. I guess on the west side of Medina, Ohio. Medina? How do you say that? Medina, right? Medina? Medina. Medina, yeah. I guess in Medina, Ohio, they had winds up to 101 miles an hour That's last crazy. night. Woo! On the west side. Hope you guys uh, are okay over there. Steve Palmer, speaking of people joining us right now. I don't even know if I said anyone was joining us, but uh, he is. Steve Palmer, yeah, what's up, I, man? How you doing? 
Hey, how you doing? I am uh, hunkered in here, keeping my distance, as always. It really does. I, I really do feel like you are hunkered into some kind of bunker right now. Yeah, yeah. if you could see exactly what it is, it, it qualifies as a bunker. I'm in the basement <laughs> of my law building that is uh, buried half underneath High Street here. So. <laughs> so you're a fairly intelligent guy. You know, I like to think of myself as the same thing. You know, we're, we're two open-minded gentlemen, right? Have you heard, yeah, I have think you, so. Have you heard of people talking about uh, this coronavirus has been caused by all the 5g internet oh god <laughs> uh you know i did I, I actually watched a video on it and it made perfect sense i mean the guy was like some scientist that sort of tracked uh, a correlation between 5g networks and disease over the years and uh you know it's like anything though you can make it look like something until it is scientifically challenged it is interesting though at the end of the video everyone's like well there's been no tests so no one really knows and you're like wait a second no tests like right, maybe that right. really is it. I'll Didn't buy burn some five G towers down in London. Yes, they did. Oh my gosh. Have you heard the conspiracy that this was some big cover up to bust some worldwide uh yeah, sex right. yeah, trafficking ring? Yeah. I just know I'm not taking ibuprofen. Now you're getting <laughs> I can tell you that. I'll use my five G all day, but I'm not taking ibuprofen. You're not. No way. I saw some other doctors describing it last night and it uh, binds to the ACE receptor and there's something in ibuprofen. That helps it spread, and with the it, it triggers with the it, it like works with the ACE with the coronavirus. Yes, yeah. within uh, people's and lungs. it spreads the virus faster. I know they're saying now the who came out and said yes, don't take it, and now they're saying eh, it's okay. We don't really know. You can probably you're take giving it. me stress because the only thing that works on I give, will sometimes get some bad headaches. The only thing that works for me is ibuprofen. So now I'm super stressed. You have to find out the science for this. Please, That's how I just feel. for me. Just because they're like, yeah, yeah, we haven't found it out yet, but you probably could take it. Kelly, I'm we so sorry to tell you that uh, we're going to have to get you a medical marijuana <laughs> okay. prescription. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Will that help headaches? Only thing for that sure? will help you is okay. the dankest bud possible. Okay. <laughs> Here's Steve Palmer with some legal advice, and let's get some now for uh, who's on line one here. Oh, do I have a sheet? Okay, good. Nicole, uh, let's see this, uh, Randy. This is a question about rights being violated yeah. at work. So this is a, a hot topic right now. So you're back at work, correct? Yes, I'm at, I'm at work. All right, you're on with Steve Palmer. Go ahead and ask your question. Hi, okay, so I'll try and keep this really short. Um, a couple weeks ago, okay, well, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Oh, okay, cool, congratulations, um, yeah, that's awesome. Thank yes. you. Um, two weeks ago, I was told that I have fibrosis in my lungs from treatment. I also have a compromised immune system. So on that Tuesday, my doctor sent in a request to allow me to work from home. It, they didn't do anything with it. So Wednesday, I went to work, and I wore a mask. <laughs> so what, your boss was just like, mm, that's cool, but uh, I'll yeah. see you tomorrow. Yeah. So Wednesday, I wore a face mask to work to try and protect myself. Um, I was made to leave work or remove the face mask. <gasps> so I left work as I was taken out. Yeah. And then wait, you were um, taken. Did you say you were taken they out? Made, they made me leave work. Wow. So like when you say they made you, like did somebody walk you physically out of yes. the? Oh, okay. Wow. And I, I had union representation with me, and they didn't care. My doctor was in the process of getting the paperwork to wear the mask to them, but they wouldn't allow me to talk to them or give them the correct fax number. Brutal. That is brutal. I am. I. I'm want, mad. I want to know this company's name so I never ever I use cannot. them. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all but right. I know. I know. Don't. But Steve Palmer, <laughs> like, what the hell? 
Well, let me ask you, what was the reasoning that uh, you were given for not being able, not, not being permitted to wear the mask? What did they tell you? Did they give you, they say, this is why? Panic. Oh. Well, you're already panicking. Panic. Yeah, oh it would, she said, yeah, it would, so, it would cause panic. But my safety is not as important as your yeah. supposed panic. What do you think about this, Steve? Yeah, here's what I think about this. I think that this is eventually going to get smoked out as improper uh, employment practices, because what's going to happen is this. It's going to, I mean, first of all, with respect to masks, I mean, now we're hearing all over that it's going to be more and more commonplace. And some of the early reports about uh, masks and their effectiveness, I think, are now getting, uh, they're backpedaling a bit. But beyond that, we just have general safety standards that we have to uh, maintain at work. And uh, I think this new, we're in a new age here where we're going to have to reevaluate what those standards are with respect to uh, viruses and people's susceptibility for it. So I, I guess uh, I, I don't have a quick answer here, but I think the long-term answer first is going to be, I bet that this kind of practice is going to be um, a, a cause of action in the future. To the extent that it may not be now, I would do this. It sounds like you had legal counsel with you, so that would be a good place to start, but I would just make sure everything you're doing is documented. I would get a doctor letter. I would get uh, uh, all the reasoning uh, very rationally in one place in an email and a letter from your attorney or somewhere that basically says, here's why I need to wear a mask. Here's why it's for my own safety. Here's why it's not going to impact my job performance. Uh, and, uh, and then if they still take action that way, uh, I think you might have a cause later. Now, uh, now given the, the state of unemployment, given the state of what all the governor's orders have been, uh, this is probably sufficient to qualify you for unemployment. Uh, but you know, that's, that's little consolation when you have to wait, when you're able to work otherwise and, you know, unemployment, depending on what you make is not going to cover your, your salary or your wage. And, you know, so now I don't have a magic answer for you. I would, uh, start with your attorney, see if there is a cause of action he wants to uh, pursue right now, something immediate, uh, to avoid irreparable harm. Uh, and then in the long term, I bet we see regulations changing about what is permissible and what is not. But you're area. at, you're at work right now. Well, no, I, I left today because I was actually exposed the same day they made me leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, this has got to be something that's happening at a lot of places, like where people are not comfortable or they're – I mean, I, I, I wouldn't imagine, though, if you had a letter from a doctor and well, you walked in. Well, it's now in. mandated that we have to wear a mask, everyone. Gotcha. Well, I mean, well, hold on a second. It's now mandated, and you and they. And I guess I missed that. She said it's not mandated for everyone to wear a mask. It is now oh, mandated. It is now. Oh, it said. is now. Oh, okay. okay, so it is now. You're saying at your work, or you're saying yes. in in society? At work. Okay. But they threw you well, out like two days before that was mandated. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Unreal. Will they let you come back? Yeah, they let me come back. But that whole day was a disaster. Yeah, and you're probably embarrassed too, right? And she's exposed. Yeah. Right. And how, I got exposed. How does that, what does that mean you got exposed? To the virus. Um, how? Somebody. They were supposed to put me in quarantine, but they didn't. I got you. So, I mean, here's the issue. Getting exposed, uh, you know, maybe you were exposed, maybe we weren't. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. sort of the problem everywhere, right? We don't know that we were exposed. Mm -hmm. You risked exposure and really bad stuff. And, you know, we're all knocking on wood here that you don't get sick. So now we're talking in the margins. Are, what are those two days worth as far as uh, an employment action? And, you know, for now, what I would do is I, if you can go back to work and wear a mask and be safe, man, that's what I'd be doing. And, uh, on the other hand, if it's uh, because of your health, if it turns out that you can't, 
I, I still think there might be some at least unemployment benefits for you. Okay. Hey. Do you have a recommendation for like an employment attorney? Yeah, I guess I misunderstood. I thought you did. Uh, what you can do is give me a shout, 614-224-6142. We will uh, put you in touch with somebody and uh, try to get you uh, at least whatever relief we can get you. Thank you so much. Hey, good luck to you, okay? Thank you. All right, Nicole. Thanks so much Bye. for your phone call. All right, so I have an eviction notice that was given to uh, some people at this property. This is from Sundance Property Management out of Cincinnati. And uh, they said, notice to leave the premises. You are hereby notified that we want you on or before three days from the date of this letter, which is the 6th, okay, which is like two days ago, to leave the premises you now occupy and you have rented from us as situated in Columbus, Franklin County. You are being asked to leave the premises. If you do not leave, an eviction action may be ignited, uh, I'm sorry, initiated against you. You, If you are in doubt regarding your legal rights and obligations as a tenant, it is recommended that you seek legal assistance. This is a mobile home park, and um, this happens to do with the land lot they're renting, not their mobile home they're renting, because some of them own them. This is where they have their lot. And so they have to pay a monthly payment. Like where they had the double wide parked or whatever. And it, yeah. yeah, and where it was due on the 6th. And on the 6th, when it wasn't paid that day, they were given these letters. Can you evict people you, right now, yeah. Steve? Yeah, I mean, look, it's funny because we had a lot of these questions last week, guys. And, and there was, um, after our show came the governor's announcement that sort of encouraged landlords not to evict anybody. Uh, and, you know, I would need to know probably a little bit more here about whether uh, this, uh, all this stems from something directly related to the virus or not, not related to the virus. I mean, there may be months and months and months of arrearages. I don't know. Uh, or it could be that this is sort of a, uh, this is what they always do. This is automated. They're going to keep doing what they're doing as far as eviction notices. Um, I, I guess I, you know, this, to take a pragmatic approach at it, I can't say do not take it seriously. It is serious. On the other hand, uh, it's going to be difficult in this day and age with the way things are uh, for somebody to actually uh, effectuate a full-blown eviction in, in the time frame that legally uh, is appropriate. And, you know, this isn't easy necessarily when there is no virus issues. Uh, so just uh, trying to kick somebody out is not as easy as putting a note on the door and saying, out tomorrow. Uh, there's notification provisions. There's court uh, actions that can be taken. So it's not so easy. And, and now with the virus uh, the governor's orders and the the closures of the courts or the willingness of the courts to deal with these kind of things uh, may really compromise efforts uh, to evict somebody. Uh, all that said, I can't say that uh, it couldn't happen because it, it very well could. And, you know, there's a lot of folks in that situation. So I guess what I would do is twofold. First, give us a shout, 614-224-6142, ohiolegaldefense.com. You can send us an email there too. Uh, and I will get you to a landlord tenant attorney uh, who is competent to deal with this uh, going forward. Uh, but secondly, uh, sort of like what we were saying before, do your best, or last week, do your best to pay rent if you can uh, and talk to an attorney, obviously, if you, if you can do that quicker. But in the short term, I, I'm just encouraging everybody to do their best to make their bills work and, and fill up the pots that need filling. Uh, I, I don't have any magic at this point. It's yeah, I would feel like, I mean, I guess we should ask the police. Police, are you going out there and evicting? Because isn't that what really has to happen? Because who's going to leave just because a landlord says so? Usually, don't yeah. the police have to go out there and say, "Hey, it, you know, you've Put been that evicted." Sticker on the door, yeah. So I'm saying, well, they got to have court orders and different. I mean, it's it's not so easy even without the virus, and even when courts are fully functional, it's not just uh, a note and you're gone. Uh, there's notification provisions that they have to prove, and now if they if they met the notification provisions. 
Will the police actually go out and do that? I, you know, I don't know. The, the governor's order seems to suggest landlords should not uh, or should forbear on evictions right now and, uh, and, and not go forward. So uh, how the police respond to that, I, I bet you there's folks out there who know better than I as far as what's happening with boots on the ground. But um, I got a hunch that they won't. All right, Steve, I have the same hunch. I have the same hunch. Okay. Steve, I wanted to ask a question regarding what Nicole said initially when she called in. She said that she was diagnosed with a weak immune system, and her doctor wrote a letter saying that she did not need to go into work. What is the rule on that? Can a company say, I don't care what your doctor said, you come to work or you're fired? Well, these are things that are way up in the air. I mean, let's go pre-virus on stuff like this. You know, you can't let me take both sides of it. Let me take the employer side for a second. You can't just say, uh, you, you certainly wouldn't want a law that says you have to employ everybody uh, if they, even if they aren't able to go into work and be safe, it, it doesn't make sense to have a, a business pay them otherwise. So if you're not, if you're not capable of doing the job, uh, that's one thing. Now, if it's a disability or you qualifies as a disability, there's other benefits that normally would have gotten triggered if you lost your employment because of that. Um, now, however, there's new under the CARE Act and other things that are coming out, it seems to change the rules a little bit to uh, not only uh, mandate certain uh, paid leave based on sickness, et cetera, uh, but it also, it's also putting that on uh, even smaller businesses, businesses that have less than 500 employees too. So I don't know how all that shakes out legally speaking. Now, generally, the other side of it though is uh, as an employee, it seems crazy that you could be fired just because you're high risk in the short term and you would want some sort of leave. And that's what the acts are, are intended to address. Uh, but I would, uh, there are some, some things she can do. Like I, I, I've been reading the unemployment guidelines and sort of brushing up on that to see how that's working. And, you know, if you can't go in or you're afraid to go in or, or you're high risk or something, I think the state is authorizing unemployment. Now, that doesn't mean it happens overnight. It doesn't mean that it's a, a full compensation, but at least there's something there in the short term to help bridge the gap. And I don't know how quickly uh, the state is responding to that uh, or unemployment requests, but uh, get in line as fast as you can, I would say. Yeah, without a doubt. Steve Palmer live on this show, and you guys can check him out, and he can become your lawyer as well at Yabinch and Palmer. Steve, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, it's easy, man. Uh, 614-224-6142. Uh, hit us up at ohiolegaldefense.com. You know, it's uh, we're getting to that spot where folks are going to start getting stir crazy. Uh, I just encourage everybody to keep their calm. Uh, don't go crazy. Watch the booze. Watch everything and stay safe. All right, cool, man. Thanks, Steve. Here's music from The Who. All right, so yet another uh, uh, Wednesday Blitz session, uh, Jared. You know, it seems like we keep getting... Uh, questions about the it, it's all virus man it's all people staying home it's all the stuff we've been talking about those are tricky questions that's that's tricky the one there with the mask and then you know it, it, i would like to know what she does i would like to know what it's like there's always more you know if there's one thing i've learned being an attorney for 25 years or so there's always another side of the story it's it's very rare that a uh, one side's perception is 100% accurate and and right there's always a, there's always some uh, yeah, but, uh, and you know, the, we don't always get that in the context of the radio, uh, except I do think conceptually and, and going forward, we're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, we're going to see a culture in our society that changes to make it acceptable just to wear masks all the time. And, you know, remember like two or however long it was ago in the last 10, 20 years, 15 years ago, when all those viruses were hitting, you see in Asia, you see folks on TV, there's wandering around with masks. And I, I remember even thinking recently, 
I was on a trip and then you see the, the family that's all wearing masks and you're like, what the hell is going on, man? I mean, what is this? Somebody's sick? Do I have to worry? You know, what is that? And now it doesn't seem so odd to me that somebody be wearing a mask. Still seems odd to me. I, I, I it's still <laughs> when I go out, I, I, because to me, the, it's like, are you sick? If you're wearing it, because this is a microscopic thing, man. This wearing the masks and the scarves, and at first they're like, "Don't do it," and now they're like, "Make your own homemade ones and put on a put on a, a bandana." And it's just uh, it's probably time to we're gonna have to ring up old Doc Pulaski here later in the week and and get and I I want to know is like if I put on a <clears throat> bandana or my, uh, or like a ski mask or, or the dust mask that's in my garage that I use to, uh, when I sand drywall or something, is that, is that the same? I mean, I want to know, or, or am I just that, going through the motions? I, I, I guess you would wear it if, cause you could be, what do they call it? Asymptomatic, right? Where you could have it and not know it. Yeah. Okay. So now you should wear the mask or, and, and, and they wear a bandana would help because it would catch the droplets. It would, it would catch the airborne that you're sending out. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I mean, to where that, if, if, if I want to make sense out of it, that's the only sense that, that I can draw a conclusion. Yeah. I, but I, I sense that people aren't doing it for that reason, though. They're, they're doing it because they want to protect themselves. I mean, I, look, I, as much as I think our, our society is unselfish, I mean, it's like the, what motivates people is, is their own uh, interest by and large. And if somebody, like if I'm wearing a mask, it's not because if I don't know that I'm sim- that if I'm asymptomatic, and right now I go out and I put a mask on, I mean I'm going to be brutally honest, man. It, it's I'm more worried about contracting it than I would be uh, spreading it because I don't think I have it. We had a conversation the day, and you said you talked with a prosecutor. Where was that at? Where they closed the schools? That was like November. Yeah. I remember hearing it on the news. Yeah, so some school got so sick they closed it was like K through twelve. Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, somebody in a prosecutor's office out in Noble County, and uh, where's Noble County? Noble County's way out southeast Ohio. Okay, and. Um, it, it's, it, it, I, I asked what the courts are doing out there and, you know, they're like everybody else, they're struggling, but you know, those rural communities, they're not so condensed in the sense that they're not living on top of each other. They like, you know, we, it's a funny conversation because she and I both agree it's at some juncture, I've always said, I want to get out in the country and have some space, you know, just because I feel free out there. And, and, you know, those folks generally don't want close contact with anybody anyway. So it's like social distancing is the norm out there. Uh, now that's not to say in the towns they don't go uh, to their restaurants and local watering holes, et cetera. But uh, we just got to talking, and then she says she just said, you know, it's funny because you know back in uh, back in uh, February, uh, everybody out here got sick, and she described herself as a very fit, uh, active, physically uh, like like to run, jog, very cardiovascular, and she and a friend would would run every day, and her friend was also in shape, and they were both young enough to not be high risk. And uh, she said her friend got sick back in February and it was so bad. She had to go to the hospital and it was touch and go, like had all with respiratory issues in her lungs. Uh, She finally got through it, uh, went home, husband got it. Same thing. Healthy man uh, had to go to the hospital. Very, very sick, touch and go, like scary stuff. Uh, Go home. Grandma got it and died uh, back in February. And then uh, she said, yeah, out here, we had, everybody was so sick out here for that month. I mean, we even closed the schools for a few days out here. 
And it just makes you wonder. It's like, how could that be anything any other than coronavirus hitting in February in that part of the country? And and it turns out that they had some exchange students and other things uh, that it, it might have made sense, you know. So there's uh, there's all sorts of anecdotal things like that I'm reading about and hearing about that makes me wonder. It's, this is back to our pre-Blitz call discussion. Like, it makes me wonder, what are we doing? You know, we have no testing here as a backstop to understand and appreciate, to really understand and justify uh, the length of the shutdown, uh, why we're shut down, who's at risk, et cetera. And I can't fault people for that. This is not a, this is more of a commentary, not a criticism, but it's like, you know, we don't know. We very, it could have ripped through here in February and we're all fine. And here we have shut down our economy and we don't even, for nothing. You know, and then there's, 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 members of the media mainly that are are voicing their opinion that trump needs to do a a whole close down of the of all the whole country yeah and that makes that makes no sense because uh, yeah. you know i mean wyoming's got like you know i mean what what i think it's it's like uh i forget what it is it's it's a crazy number it's like five people every 500 miles or something like that and they don't need why why would you force their economy to shut down yeah you know whenever They've got low to no people with it. North Dakota doesn't, you know. I mean, they, you got bigger towns like Fargo, things like that. Now they, that's where your mayors come in. That's where the governor comes in. Yeah. I mean, our governor came in and stepped up. He was one of the first. We were, you know. I mean, he he closed things down, social distancing. He closed down the Arnold. He and that was, you know, people were blown away. Like, why would you do that? And that was one move that I think probably helped. Yeah, I mean, in it's a major way. It, it, there's a lot. You just you gave me a lot to unpack there. But it's like a, it, your last point is a good one. It's like I think it probably did help. I mean, and think about that. It's like the Arnold is not just an event here locally where everybody is um, is going to be around each other. It's not everybody's around each other. And there's lots and lots and lots of people flying in from all over the world to participate. So that would be like a invitation uh, to all Petri dish bring your virus and deposit here, please. And, and shutting that down made some sense. And it, it, or maybe it didn't because we already have had this and, and you don't even know. But I, 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 I certainly I got notifications going on. I, I certainly feel like that uh, that made some logical sense. Now, here's uh, the other side of it, though, is that um, if we have all had it and we all knew we had it, then wow. You know, maybe we didn't need to do that. And uh, it's not our governor's fault because, uh, as we've said, as we pointed out here on Lawyer Talk, why? Because we're on top of all this stuff. It's like if you're a politician, you really only have one choice given the factual scenario you're presented. It's like you have this awful virus that is spread through Italy like wildfire and is killing people by the thousands. And uh, it could and everybody predicts it's coming to Ohio. And if you do nothing and that, in fact, happens in Ohio and lots of people die, then you're responsible because you did nothing. If you uh, if you do nothing and everybody uh, survives, well, I mean, you got lucky, uh, you, you know, good guess. Now, if you close down everything and it rips through Ohio and uh, people die, you can say, you know what, at least we did everything we could. Or you could even blame somebody else for not uh, being prepared like the federal government. Uh, or if it if it if it doesn't rip through Ohio because you've shut everything down, you get to take full credit for it. So it really is like you, you, there's only one choice, and there's never going there's never going to be a way to look back and say it was right or wrong. 
because, you know, you can't go turn back the clock and and say everybody already had it. We can test them. Uh, So it's like you you just have one choice. And I'm not criticizing that choice, but it's the logical choice under the circumstances. Now what do you do, though? It's like it's like how long? So we heard yesterday, I guess, that things are going well, is that they that, you know, we flatten the curve a little bit and things are going great. And their answer was why? Because of what we're doing. And that may be true. It may not be true. It may be true. It may not be true. But either way, you know they're going to take credit for it. And then what's the solution going forward? More. 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 And again, I can't fault that logical reasoning because it makes sense. If they say no more and they let everybody go back and then that rips through, then they got egg on their face. If they let everybody go back uh, and, uh, and nothing happens, well, they get to claim, look what we did. We guessed right. But keeping it closed longer doesn't hurt them. That's like the no harm, no foul or no harm, no foul uh, decision. And, and that's the thing. So I, I think we're going to see more. Um, now, you had another question in there about the everybody wants the federal government to step in. This, this is where I get a lawyer talking. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, man. It's like we have the United States of America. Go read the Constitution. Check out like how this how our structure was how we were founded uh, our founders did not want an all omnipotent powerful uh federal government that could just issue orders and uh, tell states what to do in fact we were founded on quite the opposite um uh philosophy and, and you know this isn't a time to talk about federalism necessarily but it's a time to at least a- address why the federal government doesn't necessarily have that power uh and then beyond that it's like our states locally we are the best people in our state locally to know what our state needs. We don't, I, I wouldn't expect somebody sitting in Washington, D.C. to necessarily have my, everybody's best interest in mind at the same time. They can't do that. We're a huge country. So Italy is like the equivalent of one state, maybe. And we have 50 of them. Uh, so think about that for a second. This is like all of Europe plus. Uh, so if you just had like the the European Union uh, and everybody looking to some governing body there to fix it all locally within each each individual country, I don't think people would think uh, that would necessarily work or be appropriate even. But somehow in the United States, we do. It's like, oh, the feds will fix it. The feds will fix it. And, you know, they can't. They don't have necessarily that power. And uh, I think they have influence. And I think it needs to be uh, meted out in a way that uh, it convinces the states they should be taking action. They, uh, they can offer help. They can offer guidance. The feds can offer support when needed. But I think the first line of defense for all of these kind of things is within the state. Like we know, we're, it's like, to, you know, when, when my community needs something, my neighborhood needs something, I don't go to the uh, governor of Ohio to say, look, we need help in our community. No, we go, we go to our community organization first. And then we, then if that doesn't work, we go to the village. And then if the village doesn't work, then we go to the, the county maybe. And then you work up, you know, you, you don't expect uh, the people far removed from it, uh, particularly with this balance of powers and governing structure that we have under our constitution, just to fix everything magically. It's too big. They can't do it. That's my rant. We, no, that's it. No, we, and we've got in Johnstown, we have a great, uh, uh, city manager and, and, and he does a yeah. great job and he works hard for us. And then he gets, he, he, he does a, he does a really good job, but <clears throat> shorty was telling me, he put out a post that, uh, they got the bike path, you know, yep. and they see you get out, ride your bike path. Well, all kinds of people are complaining and going in that kids are hanging out in groups. 
there's a group of kids they're they're hanging out they're playing around and he's like you know if you don't social distance we're going to close the bike paths how do you close the bike paths what you know I mean what does that mean does that mean that the police are going to go start now they have to start doing uh, a, a check on the bike path they got to get a cop on a bike to ride down there i don't you know it's yeah i mean it it, it you can get to the minutiae of it and then at what point, what's the enforcement mechanism? Because look, when everybody says we want the government to control this or regulate this, it's really a euphemism for saying we want them to be able to point a gun at somebody and say, do this or else. And by that, I mean, send the police out who are carrying firearms or sidearms and then enforce legal standards that have been created and charge people with crimes. And if they don't comply, then point a gun at them and say, you're under arrest and take them to jail. So that that's really the power we're giving them. You know, I saw this, I was watching YouTube. Why? Because we're in shutdown mode. But I was watching some YouTube video and it was George Carlin, some George Carlin bit. And uh, it was interesting because this is going back, uh, I don't know how, I don't know what year, uh, clearly well before now. And um, he was sort of in his own critical, politically incorrect way, uh, criticizing what our society had become at that time. And, and he said words that I've said a hundred times. I didn't even know he said that. Maybe he stole it from me. He goes, people are willing to trade right now their freedom for some perceived comfort that they can receive by a government to take care of them. And, you know, he thought that like to him, that was so absurd that he was making a whole comedy routine out of it. It's like people are trading freedom for comfort. So they, somebody will just take care of them. And it's a very, very powerful uh, thought process to think about that. Think about what that means. Like we could, if we wanted in our society, be as safe as, as any, you could be completely 100% safe if you make a couple assumptions, give the government full omnipotent power and let them enforce it. And they will eliminate crime because you know what they'll do? If somebody commits a crime, they'll kill them and then it's over. You know, they will, they will have full access to your house to go take every gun that you have because you don't need it now. We have a powerful government that'll protect you. Uh, you aren't allowed to say things that offend other people. Why? Because that creates conflict. In other words, there, there's a trade-off for our freedom and, and that is danger and risk. And, you know, unlike other countries that, that don't enjoy this kind of freedom, it's very difficult to tell somebody in Wyoming uh, from Ohio that you ought to shut your stuff down. Uh, because they're used to freedom. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, and, and that comes with a price. And the price may be we aren't as safe necessarily as uh, uh, the, the Germans were if you were happen to collaborate or be a sympathizer with the Nazis. You were, very, you, you were completely safe. Now, if, if you happen to be Jewish, then you were going to get killed, right? I mean, that's, that's the problem. Now, I, I was out on my bike. It was quarantined. But I could ride my motorbike, you know. Until they say I can't, you know, I was just out for a ride. I went nowhere. I drove around in circles and just went on roads. And I went past a couple parks. And at first couple I saw were like almost eerie because it was a beautiful day. And usually there's kids on the slides and playing and mom's swinging. And it just, it was just eerie that it was dead. But then there was a group of kids and they were playing like some football together. Now, as I seen them, at first, you want to be like this, and people have called people about on the parks. They're playing ball together. And at first, I kind of went, but then I was like, how do I know they don't all live together? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, are what they if, just... it, was, it was it was like three or four of them. It wasn't a huge group. It was, it was like four of them, and they're kind of running around playing catch. You know, I mean, playing you know just a toss ball game. You know. Yeah. And I don't know. They could have all been brothers. Yeah. I mean, maybe there were four brothers that lived in the house, and now you got to somebody's going to call and rat them out, and then how they close down golf. Here's something about golf: you can have social distance and play golf. For sure. Unless both of your balls land next to each other and then one guy hits and the other guy hits one man per cart or you got to walk. Yeah. But they close down. But they, and that's a lot of land. How okay, is, how is golf something. less safe than going to the damn supermarket? That's what I'm saying. How is golf less safe than, than going to get picking up a pizza that I see people waiting around outside or going in to grab and if you have a golf course, you have a lot of property. You've got a lot of property tax. You've got a lot of uh, of uh, a big note to pay to the bank. Yes, and they're forcing them to not be open because they're saying, "Well, you're not you're non-essential." I think that people getting out and getting exercise, stretching their legs, and clearing their head is very essential. Well, I mean, and Dewine was encouraging it, wasn't he? I mean, it's like people are going to the parks and walking together. It's not like. Picking one selectively over another is the, this is the, this is the, uh, these are the things, these are the discrepancies that start to occur or that you start to see when you give uh, power to a, to the government to just do things without the normal process and vetting, because you have an order that says uh, you're not allowed to play golf, but at the same time, you can go run together in the park. Uh, And it it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I think if you're going to say, we encourage you if you're going to play golf to play solo and take separate carts, like you said, Jared, or walk, you know, that would make sense. Uh, but come on. I mean, at some juncture and like you pointed out, that's commerce. You know, people are paying for that and that that's good for the economy, right? There's, yes. You know, that's good. So if somebody happens to be working from home and they can take a break on the weekend and go walk nine holes or whatever the hell they're doing, uh, let them do it for, I mean, it, it's, it's, it just well, makes sense. Know, it kind of started with that. They closed down a, a, one of my employees is also in the National Guard, uh, plays Frisbee golf. And he plays these tournaments. And the tournaments got shut down because then this was before the total closure. And it was, I was kind of like, well, you don't touch the other guy's Frisbee. Right. You, you know what I mean? You, you don't, you don't, in this game, you, it's, a, it's, it's not as much of a sport as it is a game. Because each individual is playing the course. You know, I mean, you're not tackling, you're not passing. You don't use the other guy's golf balls and clubs. And it's, right. you are playing against the course. It's not like you're wrestling, right? You know, no, it's, or yes. playing football where you're bashing against somebody every single play. And, or even and, basketball where everybody touches the ball. Yeah, exactly. This is this is totally different. And, you know, there's safety measures you can employ. And, you know, at some point, we got to let people walk up and down the stairs by themselves. You know, at some point, you just got to say, all right, you know, we've done it. Now, what I hope to hear knock on wood here any day is that guess what ohio country world we have ramped up our production we have respirators we have masks we have uh we have these three companies who are very close to uh whatever medications or vaccines we're going to need and uh, we are comfortable opening it up and letting you be free go fly away do your jobs go forth and prosper populate the world again you know, that's uh, at some point I want to hear that. And I'm not what I'm not hearing out of the governor is any hint about that. 
And, you know, I'm not, these are, these are, what should I call it? Criticism. These are frustrations. Uh, you know, the lack of knowledge, I've said it a thousand times in my conference room. It's the, it's like, it's always the worst, the anxiety, the stress, the psychological impact of whatever uh, trouble you're in. It, it's always worse when you don't know what's going on. And I don't feel like, and I feel like, I think we're pretty informed here. We have a media company for heaven's sakes, <laughs> you know? Well, and you've been doing well, over 10 years now, every Wednesday on the Blitz here with your Paul and Lincoln advice. Yeah. <clears throat> the last shows, the questions, how long are they going to remain the same? I mean, you're not getting the, the questions like you used to get. No. They're all evictions down to financial you know, stuff, I mean, the, work evictions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what it all is. And on the evictions there too, you know, that's a, like you said, you always got to hear the whole end. You, get, you need to hear the whole story. Was the, Are they six months behind? Yeah. Or are they 30 days behind? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, and you know, people, there, there's this, uh, there's the, the, in statistical analysis, we see this all the time. People sort of throw out numbers and then almost always I can ask about three questions, maybe less and expose the flaws in what they're trying to conclude from those numbers. And, and it's not even that I'm exposing flaws so much as I'm making people think, whoa, maybe that stat doesn't mean what they think it means. So I'm getting evicted and there's a COVID uh, shutdown. Therefore, somehow that's unfair. Now that may be true. It might even be true nine times out of 10, but the one time out of 10 where I'm getting evicted. And like you said, Jared, I haven't paid rent in six months either. Uh, and including the last month when there's been a shutdown, it's like, all right, well, that's not so egregious now to be evicted under that situation because you still have a landlord who is trying to make his rent or his mortgage payment. And, you know, when I listened to the governor talk about this last week, it was, uh, we strongly encourage landlords not to, uh, to collect, uh, or to forego rent. And we strongly encourage borrowers or, or forgive me, lenders, uh, to, uh, to give some, I don't know, a moratorium on the, on the mortgages. But, you know, let me just speak from, uh, you know, sort of personal experience here. It's like, uh, not all, uh, landlords have mortgages at banks the way you do at home. Sometimes they have loans from other people, or sometimes they've leveraged other assets in order to, in order to make their job in life uh, to be a landlord and, and earn a living doing that. It's not so obvious then that they can just call their bank and say, give me a break for a few months, because the bank may not be what our perception of it is. Maybe they have uh, maybe they have borrowed against another asset and another asset and another asset, or they're using the cash uh, to fund this that could have gone somewhere else uh, to secure a, a, a lifestyle that wouldn't have um, been hurt by this. But, you know, as entrepreneurs do, they've chosen that. So there's always, there's always two. So it's not always that you've got the, the evil, quote, man behind the, you know, pulling puppet strings from above who's just pocketing all the change. I mean, you've got a bunch of small business entrepreneurs out there in our country that are doing their best to, to make their way. And, you know, I guess, Jerry, you and I both tried and, and have looked strongly into the small business relief stuff that's out there. And yeah. it's like, it, it, first of all, let me just note this. It was the last thing. I mean, it seemed like, you know, at first it was businesses should pay people to be at home. And then yep. it was, if you have to go home, 
uh, and you're sick, then businesses should pay you anyway. And then it was, uh, well, at least we'll give you unemployment, no questions asked. And, you know, it just went on and on and on. And then, and then like, a, like last week, they finally said, oh, maybe these small businesses are suffering too because they no longer have any revenue whatsoever. And their job was not to collect a paycheck from somebody else. Their job was to generate um, uh, sales, to generate uh, a, a net or a gross uh, revenue that they could then distribute through wages and, and, and buying their own, goods and ser- or own goods and services they need to operate their business. So it's like the, it, was a, it was a very essential chain in the economic structure that I think was somewhat brushed aside. And it's, it's, uh, it's scary. I believe that if we would, if we could have just opened the six, like the original plan was instead of in, in here in Ohio, instead of going with the total close down until the first of next month, yeah. I really believe that that could have, uh, that we could, things could have kept going. We, if we go through, if we go through the end of this month to the first, it's going to, there's going to be mo- there, people are going out of business. And then you listen yeah. to the governor and you listen to, 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 our lieutenant governor, he comes out. We've talked to small businesses, and and we've got these SBA loans, and and so it sounds to people that are just listening. Let's say you're not a, a business owner, and, and well, my employer should be able to take care of me because he's going to get this money. I just heard the go- I heard him say that they're going to get this money. We have looked into this, Steve. We if we were to get any of the money, which who knows, it's not going to be. It's going to be months down the road. It, it'll it's be, be too little, too they, late. Give me, you want me to pay payroll? Well, I had to close the business down. Yeah, I don't have payroll anymore, right? I don't have payroll anymore. It's funny. It's such a great point, man. I haven't even thought about that. This is, it it fits into my my philosophy on things. It's like politicians are politicians, and I feel like we need them. Um, But we also always have to, we always have to watch for what the motivating forces are. Because there's always a motivating force that guides everybody. I don't care if you're a small business. I don't care if you're the government. I don't care if you're uh, unemployed completely. There's always something there that, that motivates people. And, you know, what more powerful than your job to motivate you? And if your job is premised upon an election and the elections are premised upon popularity and popularity is premised upon what you're promising and those promises are designed then, if you just follow that right up the chain, to give a perception that you're doing everything you can to help the people who would vote for you. All that's great. I got no problem with it, but I think it needs to be discussed. As long as you can expose that and talk about it, I think it's not like it's illegal. That That's it. So what you just said made perfect sense to me. It's like, it sounds awesome to the world. We have this payroll protection loan out there. All you got to do is apply and there's trillions of dollars out there to get. We have the disaster relief loan, SBA loans, all of the above. And when I first started to look into these, uh, the first thing I noticed was that, all right, so I can borrow all the money I need to keep my doors open, but then I got to pay it back and I don't have any income to pay it back. You know, it's like, it's like, that doesn't help me. So then I go into, like, I basically triple my debt uh, without, without any foreseeable way to pay it back. Now, granted, it was a lower interest rate and, you know, that's good. Uh, and then the other thing I saw was, and you and I talked about this, is it is absolutely ripe for exploitation. Oh. If you happen to be a business and you've laid people off, you can get that money and then just drive a truck through it. You're going to use it for whatever you – everybody's going to want that because 
businesses are just going to say, I'll take it. Heck yeah, I'll take it. You're giving it out. I'll take my share. Now, why? Because that's what people do. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's human nature. You can't ignore it. So people are going to get what they can get because they're worried that there will be nothing else later. It's classic uh, scarcity uh, economics. Well, and the feds have come out with this great idea and they're telling everybody about it. Yet they're asking the banks to foot the note. Yeah. And then they may pay it back. You know what I mean? And so it started out, they were like, you know, you can get these loans and if you spend it a certain way, it'll be relieved, almost like a grant, you know? Yeah. But now they're saying, they've, I've noticed the wording has changed to some of it won't be and in situations and yeah. which means that they'll give it to you and you think that you're not going to pay it back and they're going to be like, well, actually we went through things and you didn't really qualify here or there. And well, I don't want, I don't want, my employees on unemployment. I don't want their $10,000 handout. I don't want, even though it's looking like I could use it and need it if I got it now. Yeah. Or if I could just go back and I'm not saying full open, if we could just go back like on the 13th yeah. and, and I do this because you sit down and you look at numbers every day and how they change and how money's going out and nothing's coming in. And then you're worried about your people. And it's just, it's, I guess here I go, I'm, I'm going off on a, on a deep end, but I, I called my dad last night, you know, cause that's, you know, I wanted to call him and be like, Hey, can you just make it stop? Yeah. <laughs> you I know, know. He, you're the most powerful man I know. Can you make it stop? Help me. And uh, yeah. he was just like this. He was like, you're the American entrepreneur, figure it out. Well, and you know, you and I talked about that yesterday and I've talked to my accountant about this too. It's like, what do there are people out there that had the choice to say, I'm laid off, I'm going home, and I'm going to do that. Uh, there are people out there that didn't have that choice. They just got laid off. And they got, hopefully by now, knock on wood, they've all got their benefits. They've all got what they got. And then there's people like us and millions of us who don't have either option. Um, you know, I have a business that I have promised countless people, consumers, clients, good people, that I will be here to help them no matter what. And I have promised uh, the Ohio Supreme Court that I will be here to do my job. I actually stood in front of a chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, raised my right hand and took an oath that I would do that. And if I walked away and said, give me, uh, give me, give me, give me, and I didn't, I didn't keep it going and, and meet my obligations, then I, not, only, not only have I created all sorts of havoc for countless people that are relying on me, uh, I've created havoc uh, for the system in general. And I, no matter, even if I had the option, Jared, I wouldn't do it. I just can't. I can't, like there are people out there that just can't. We can't walk away. You have promised your employees. There's, there's a relationship there that is deeper than just a financial one. There's, um, you know, there, and it's very personal. This is sort of back uh, full circle. We were talking about like community has the best ability to protect its own. The, the, the smaller and more local you get, the more personal it gets. The more personal it gets, the more you know about each other. The more you know about each other, the more you know how to help somebody. 
And sometimes that help is you don't. Sometimes that help is you give. Sometimes that help is you, you nudge them in the right direction, whatever it is. And you only know that if you're on, if you got your boots on the ground. And and small business owners live that every single day. And you know when when you have to lay people off, when you have to have that discussion, it's not an email, you know, it's not a letter, it's not a generalized announcement from some under assistant supervisor. It's the owner of the business who has been at your house at Christmas time telling you, I can't pay you anymore. And, and the impact of that is, and think of the restaurants, think of, I mean, it, it is, it is enormous. I'm not trying to be over dramatic here, but it really, it, I think people need to understand this in, in a way beyond uh, what, how it's being portrayed necessarily that, all right, there's these loans out there, these business, all they have to do is get them and they can bring people back to work. And, you know, it's not going to work that way. Now we're told that the money's not going to be there and they're going to run out and certain banks haven't even submitted applications. And, and, you know, there's so much more to it. Where's the money going? Nobody's getting it, but they're asking for more money. Yeah. I don't understand where the money's going. Yeah. When I saw all this, I just thought to myself, all right, I'll apply. I don't expect it. I just don't expect it. I don't expect it. And, you know, if I get pleasantly surprised and I've got a loan that lets me make payroll and, and do what it's, do what I got to do, then that's awesome. Uh, but, you know, like your dad said, I, I've, I've had to look in the mirror and say, let's do what you do, buddy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's do what you do. Find a way, it out. get it done and figure it out. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it is the American way. It really is. And that's what we're going to do. There, there's people that are going to come up swinging. And that's what we talked about. We're going to come up swinging. And uh, if we don't, then all is lost. You know, there, there's, and it's not just you. And I don't mean to make it uh, this personal. No, because no matter where we are, we're not the only ones. This is, this is going on everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the other notion I had, is that it, it, we're back to the, the local, sort of this local level of things. Um, our country was sort of, found, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a history guy, as you know, and there was, um, I remember reading about World War II, and you had, you had uh, the German army, who was uh, supremely organized, supremely trained, uh, at least in the beginning, com- well-equipped beyond anybody's uh, uh, conception up to that time with with the highest technological advances in weaponry. And, you know, they created the, the lightning warfare, the Blitzkrieg, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then you had our army at the time, which was almost completely dismantled and completely uh, ill-equipped and underprepared. Uh, the equipment was arcane. Uh, we still had planes like from World War One. I. I mean, it was a disaster. And, you know, it took a few years and we, we developed, uh, we, be, we replaced the German army with technology and equipment. Not completely. They still had us at the end. They were shooting rockets and it was a little bit too late. But the real point is not necessarily the equipment, but the ingenuity. So the structure in the German army was such that when we invaded Normandy, um, people were afraid to wake up Hitler uh, and tell him, that the invasion was happening because the chain of command was so rigid uh, that that was, and the chain of command was so rigid that that was the only avenue to make a decision to deploy uh, their German troops in a certain area. And in the, by contrast, 
the American soldiers, the citizen soldiers, so to speak, um, they had a problem at the local level, like within their their unit or within like even if the, no matter how small, they just solved it. I mean, these were these were guys right out of the farm, like they were in the farm boys, you know, who were like if it broke, you welded it. If if you needed this device to make this work, you just built it. If you needed to do it this way, even though you were told forever you got to do it the other way, well, you're like, well, that's dumb. I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to get it done. And yeah, I remember reading uh, some stories or, or, or a historian uh, about that. Um, it was, I mean, people have read him. He's a guy named Stephen Ambrose, and he wrote a book called Citizen Soldiers. And he was talking about this sort of uh, understanding of the American uh, ingenuity and in, in, in how we won that war. It was, yeah, we had a lot of great equipment. We had a lot of great stuff. But it was won at the local level. It was won at the smallest level possible. It was won by guys who, for instance, uh, when they couldn't bust through the hedgerows with their tanks, they just they had some – the guys just said, all right, well, let's just weld some big spikes on the front of these things so we can plow through the hedgerows. And that way we can solve that problem. Well, that wasn't an order from Washington, D.C. That was some dude off the farm that figured out that we could just do that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that's what the small business, that's what your dad's talking about. And that's what's going to that's what's going to save the economy here if we are permitted to do it. And by that, I mean, if the government doesn't get in the way. Now, there's going to be a time when it opens up. And that's when I just pray that the government doesn't get in the way and try to tell us what has to happen in you know Sunbury, Ohio, or Johnstown, Ohio, or even Columbus, Ohio, we we know we know what to do here. You know we we got it right. That's the that's how I look at it. All right, I, I probably got way too philosophical for this <laughs> lawyer talk edition, but uh, man, I I think that's just where we are. I think everybody's feeling this pain. Everybody's feeling the pain. There's yeah. and but you got to think about it too. You got to think about the states. They're still going to owe the federal government. That's everybody's money that's going into these trillions of dollars. That's everybody's debt. You know I mean, that's 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 a state that will receive none of it. Will receive none. You know, I mean, right. there's states that are going to receive none of this money, yet they still are going to owe for it. They're still going to have to pay. They're still going to have to pay. Somebody's got to pay. I mean, you, this is like the end results of of failed socialism, right? It's like it's all it's all great until the money runs out, and then when the money runs out and there's no economy to, to create more, what do you do? Uh, where like then what when there's no business left to to support it what happens and you know this cannot go on forever it cannot go on forever i'll say it again it cannot go on forever there's got to be an end there's going to have to be an end there will be an end and we will get out of it and they will build a test and we will get through it we will yeah but it's going to take years you know you're we're going to feel this at christmas oh yeah with the way that like how we're doing the podcast right now i'm in johnstown you're downtown I really prefer it when we're all at the same table, uh, but this is becoming such a norm and a have to now to where our grandkids going to hug their grandmas on, on, yeah. on Christmas. Yeah. I, it's a good question. Are the exchanges going to be the same or are they going to be different? How long have, is it going to be out? You can have Lysol you know, wipes to touch your, your wipe off your presents before you open them. I mean, what's it going to be? You know, I forget everybody loves them. The head doctor there that talks, uh, you know, mean with the, in the white house. No more handshakes, even after this. He says that handshakes should be done over. You know, I meant do to we do end handshakes. I meant to do some research. I, I actually kicked this around on my drive in. I was giving this some thought. I was like, I wonder what the origin of handshakes are. It's such an odd custom, but it's so personal too. I was thinking, what is it? What makes you feel good about a handshake? What's what, when you're a man or a woman? Uh, and, and I don't mean to just make it man, but you, I am a man, so that's what I really that's what I relate to. So if I shake your hand 
there's a lot that is portrayed. There's a lot conveyed. There's a lot of meaning behind that, how I do it, how I look at you. And you can convey sarcasm, uh, genuine uh, affection, uh, even maybe a little bit of uh, skepticism. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that goes on, all in that, that small little gesture of a handshake. And I know other cultures don't do it. It's a, so I'm going to do some research. Maybe we'll cover that one of these days, but it's like, if you can't the be, handshake deal, you can't you know I mean, do that. The, the, right. There's a lot in a good handshake. It meant something. Let's shake on it. It, it, it means something. It. And you know, you shook on it. Even your, as a, as my youngest memory, it's like, oh, you shook on it, kid, buddy. You shook on it. You owe me you, that bubble gum. You, you shook on it. You uh-huh. made a deal. That was our contract. The contract was the handshake. Yeah. And I guess that I'm I'm sure you're going to find that if you do the research in there, that, that I'm sure that a lot of handshakes have to deal with contracts. Oh, I'm sure it does. It probably uh, back in a day probably has something to do with showing that you don't have anything hidden in your hand. I mean, there's probably some, there's probably something like that. Um, you know, they, they used to stamp people's hands, like their, their palms with, uh, with, with brand them as felons and stuff like that. So if you raise your hand to tell an oath, you could see, you, you would see, you know, that there's, there's some reasoning behind all of this. And I'm sure a handshake has something to do with it, but it's, uh, it's a brave new world, man. And I hope we, uh, I hope we do the right thing. I hope we get through this and I hope we let people do what your dad said needs to be done. And by that, I mean, let's not depend upon, uh, the almighty government to fix this. Let's get the American men and women out there doing what we do. And that is Figure engaging, out. figuring it out, making our way, engaging in commerce in in making, uh, providing goods and services to people in a, in a economical, reasonable way. And uh, getting back to what we know to be the American dream. That's how I, man, we should have sung like the battle hymn of the Republic behind that. <laughs> I think, I don't know. Well, look, man, I'm going to go make, uh, I'm going to go make some work. All right. I'm going to go take care of some business myself. Everybody bunker down, get ready to figure it out. Yeah. This has been lawyer talk off the record on the air soon to be on the air again with doc Pulaski to get some questions answered and, and uh, keep on that, that route. But uh, providing you with uh, a constant COVID update and keeping the blitz going, just doing it remotely. Uh, lawyer talk off the record on the air COVID edition, at least until now.